BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. And here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go. Let's go. Go. And a good morning, football fans. Appreciate you doing the stream thing here with us on Birds 395. And yes, we will be talking about streaming at some point during the next two hours. Not Birds 365, but actual NFL games. I will be doing so with my partner, John McMullen, Jody McDonald. You got your Mac and Mac guys here. Uh, The streaming conversation could wait, Johnny Mac, because there were conversations with both the head coach of the Eagles and the owner of the Philadelphia Eagles yesterday. Do you want to talk about them in the order in which they happen? They shortly after they wrap up Birds 365 coaches breakfast conversation or the later in the evening, Philadelphia Eagles, Jeffrey Laurie addressing the media. I thought we we're going to talk about Kelly Green and uh, 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 number zero Kelly Green well, that, jersey. That's, that's, that's the big of, news. That's, that's part of, the big news. That would be part of the Laurie conversation. So uh, if you want to start there, I'm perfectly fine No, with I'm that. joking. Please don't start there. Uh, if we have to do a segment on, on Kelly Green, I might hang myself, but uh, on live streaming. Uh, but, you know, if it makes fans happy. Go spend the hundred and ten bucks; they'll be thrilled. Uh, get the number zero jersey. Uh, you know, I might. I I do say we'll hopefully we'll close it out pretty quickly. But you know, 
I, I always give Ruben credit. And I said, you know, that's right. It, it, it get me 10 minutes after an Eagles game. I just watched. I just charted. I just talked about. I can't tell you what they were wearing. I can't tell you. I probably will be able to tell you when they're wearing the Kelly green simply because so many people make such a big deal out of it for that particular day. But yeah, I mean, I have, I hope people are happy. It's back. It'll be an alternate Jersey. Let's turn the page. Uh, I am a fan of the Kelly green and I'm glad it's coming back. I am uh, more similar to you and, and Rube in that it's the Jersey. Let's actually talk about football, but Jeff Flory seems very motivated to do so. And he wanted to get that uh, well, news you out. You know why? You know why, Joe? He wants two alternate helmets as well. You know why, don't you? A couple bucks in everybody's pocket. There yeah, I get go. that. But no, that's not according to the owner. He is doing it solely because that's what his fans want. And he's there <laughs> to service the fans of the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, By the way, you also saw real quick. You also saw Roger Goodell, the reason he makes $63 million a year when they're talking about flexing Thursday night games. And he had to go out there with a straight face and say, oh, we're just doing it for the fans. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, that, that's a big, that is just a stone cold bigger lie than Jeff Laurie. Oh, I'm doing it purely out of the goodness of my heart. For that was beautiful. Up that was the, if you could put why he makes so much money, if you could boil it down into one, two 20 second clip that would be it that would right. be it to try to frame that narrative as anything more than a blatant money grab as as every player in the league tweets at the same time this is a disaster please don't do it starting with patrick mahomes there and is oh by the way in, in case you don't know uh they were proposing it they didn't have enough votes to get it done and when i say get it done we're talking about uh, uh, having the ability to switch the games, flex in and out of games. I read last week that the proposal was just for the last quarter of the season, but that's upwards of five weeks. So that's putting five teams at a disadvantage, 10 teams at a disadvantage. You got two, ga- uh, two teams each game and all the fans of those teams for those five weeks. Instead, it seems like they came out with a compromise position, whereas the way they've done it uh, since it went to Amazon, the most any team would be asked to play is one game each on a Thursday night schedule. So they would cherry pick the games and put them in ahead of time so that each team was represented once this year, you could be asked to play two Thursday night games. Uh, That's probably something that the bad teams don't have to sweat. No, the the teams that may be asked to play two two Thursday night games. Cowboys and Eagles, baby. Oh, the Philadelphia Eagles, Eagles, exactly right, is one of the best teams in football. If they're doing it to increase the quality of the games on Thursday night, because Amazon is writing as big a check as they are, oh, yeah, there's a distinct possibility that the Eagles are going to be asked to play two Thursday night Eagles. Um, maybe if, uh, Rogers gets traded to the Jets, my Jets could be in that two Thursday night mix as well. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, we know, we know who the teams are, who yeah. are the best teams on paper going into next season. Yeah. There's uh, a bunch by of- the way, to date, and there could be, I, uh, it's not like I log these things, but, but I, I, I think I've heard one player say he doesn't mind Thursday night games. And that's a Philadelphia Eagle, and that's Jason Kelsey, who has mastered the ability to play without practicing. <laughs> He's mastered the ability uh, to play at an all-pro level without practicing. 
I, I say that facetiously. He does a tremendous job when it comes to walkthroughs and all that kind of stuff. And he, he works very hard. I, I don't want to say walk, that. He walks through uh, as hard well, as anyone you, out there. You, you can, I got to tell does. you that, Johnny. Man. He, he, he does. Uh, you know, most players couldn't do that. That's the point. Most players can't not practice and play at the level of Jason Kelsey. I, I've never heard a player say, yeah, I love playing on a Thursday night. Never heard it except for Jason. Which, uh, uh, all right, now I'll, I'll take off all the players. It, it does balance out, right? I get it that the short week is more difficult than the benefit of a long week where you basically get a week and a half off the beginning to prepare. But it, 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 no one ever talks about, yeah, you know, off the Thursday night game, you got a mini, it's a, I've heard it referred to as a mini buy. A mini buy is not a bad thing. That's a good thing. So it does balance out. So I am surprised that the percentages are 99.9 against one, uh, 0.1%. Because I, because I don't think it balances out physically, Jody, for them. Uh, at least that's what I – football is not a game to, designed to be played, uh, you know, uh, uh, let's be honest, not even once a week. But it's certainly not, you know, hey, go play on Sunday, then go play on Thursday. Those guys need that time to to rehabilitate their – especially veteran players. You know, it's a little bit easier for younger players, but guys are banged up. Um and it doesn't correlate like the extra time. It, 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 in fact, I'll use Jason again when he's talking about the bye week and the playoffs. He's like, this time of year, you're not. It, it, it's not an improvement from health wise. If you're banged up, you're banged up. You're not going to be that much better. Um, so that that short time frame is way more important for them than the mini buy. Like they'd rather do the seven days, seven days. Because they get their bodies used to it, right? They're 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 they're, they're creatures of habit. It's all like, about the repetitious conditioning. Yeah, yeah. And you know they got a tough time getting out of bed on Wednesday. They they you know they ice their bodies. They do this. They get the massages. They get the acupuncture. Yeah, I mean it was hilarious after they played. Uh, I forget who they played, but it was it was a. Sunday night game and maybe Sunday afternoon. It would, they wouldn't have done Sunday night, but I, I forget. Anyway, they had they had all the stuff in the locker room. As soon as the game was over, they had the training table set up in the locker room. They had exercise bicycles. They had stim machines in the locker room after the game to get ready because they were playing. It would have been Houston on Thursday night. It's yeah, they hate it. They hate it. But one thing that I think is just stone cold funny is for years, you and I've been around long enough. And I think even most of our streamers have been around long enough to remember when they only played two Thursday night games a year. And it was Thursday Thanksgiving. And people would complain about the fact that it's always the Dallas Cowboys. Why does it always have to be the Dallas Cowboys? The Detroit Lions. Why the Detroit well, Lions Detroit. always have to play? <laughs> well, Detroit. if it's such a, a labor to be able to play on a short week that every single Philadelphia Eagle fan should have been saying for years, yeah, go Thursday. It's all you, Cowboys. You'll be worse for it after play, and we'll just play all our Sunday games, and we'll be better than you in the NFC East. I've been doing sports talk in this town for 30 years. I've never once. Had one caller call and say that to me. Hey, Jody, I'm glad the Cowboys play on Thanksgiving Thursday. It gives us a tactical advantage. No, 
Now we have to. Now that everybody's playing Thursday, oh, you know, it's kind of difficult to play on Thursday. Nobody ever said that when the Cowboys were playing a Thursday game every single year, and only uh, and uh, well, and I, I don't. I, I'm talking from a player perspective. I don't think, for the most part, fans care. Um, for the most part, uh, now again, I've been doing sports talk in this town for thirty plus years. Don't think fans care about the Cowboys playing on Thursday night. You aren't doing my shows for 20 some odd years. No, I the meant... Cowboys get to play on Thanksgiving. Why are the Cowboys given the honor of playing on Thanksgiving? Well, they don't the like Cowboys the Cowboys. The Cowboys are America's team. That's complete BS. Why don't the Philadelphia Eagles that guy? Co- oh, I, I took the calls for 25 yeah, years. Yeah, but that's, that's not about Thursday night, Jody. That's about constant hatred of the Cowboys. Hmm. They don't like, why are the Cowboys on Thursday night? Why are the Cowboys on Monday night? Why are the Cowboys on Sunday night? Well, because they draw ratings. Better or worse, they do. Uh, I, you know, why they still do, I can't even tell you. That's 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 a that should be a study for, you know, Scientific Journal of America or something. But they are the most popular team in the NFL. They are. I, I'm sorry if that upsets Eagles fans. They still are. Um, there are certain teams. We know in baseball, it's the Yankees. In basketball, it was the Lakers for many years. It probably still is. Um, there there are certain teams that are elevated above other teams in sports. Always has been, always will be. In football, it's the Dallas Cowboys for whatever reason. Um, and, it, and it continues. So it's not about Thursday night. It's about Sunday night. It's about Monday night. Right, it's so, about so anything that happens. It's about a call that happens on game day. It's about everything. Oh, I don't like the Cowboys. That's what it's about. Are you telling me that Eagle fans weren't bright enough to figure out that it was disadvantageous to play on Thursday for all those years for the Cowboys? I'm telling you, Eagles fans can't see through the hatred of the Cowboys. Everything about the Cowboys they hate, and understandably so. Uh, you know, But it's not about... You're you're singling out Thursday. I mean, it's everything. Yeah, because that's what we're talking about, the Thursday night games. But it's and then everything. Why it is, but you it's know, advantageous you know, to play on a Thursday. Know. That's the conversation we're having. Yeah, but you, you were talking about 25 years you've been on the air. So you know from that 25 years, even more that you've been on the air. You know they hate everything. It's not just Thursday. So I, I'm saying the, the reason why they didn't see it as a competitive advantage is because they're looking at, why are they on national TV? Why are they singled out? Why are they this? Why are they that? They hate everything about that team. That's the answer. I'm giving you the answer. Right. Why? And, they and hate I'm everything. To, I'm trying to make a point that maybe they missed out on analyzing it because despite the oh, fact that the Cowboys did. were playing at a competitive advantage, they went to a whole bunch of Super Bowls, won a whole bunch of titles. They were able to get over playing one Thursday night game a year is the point I'm trying to make. Well, good teams are going to be good teams. Thursday night, Sunday night, uh, Saturday night, Friday night when they play Black Friday. Good teams are going to be good teams. I'm talking from a player perspective. That's all I'm talking about. The players hate it. The players hate it. Now, also, they don't want to get back the money uh, right. they're, they're getting from oh, Amazon. Yeah. So there's a, a little. But from the NFL standpoint, what the players will bring. You know, there's so much hypocrisy when it comes to safety. You know, they're constantly talking. They're trying to tweak the kickoffs again. Kickoffs, kickoffs, kickoffs. There's all this hypocrisy. And then, oh, go play Thursday night. When they'll tell you this is not this is not good for safety, for, for players' health and things of that standpoint. So there's tremendous hypocrisy on both sides. 
But I'm just trying to tell you the players hate it. And, and you saw it. There was an explosion on social media of players all over the league saying, please don't do this. And that's being kind. A Understood. Lot of and uh, you, you, you pointed it out earlier. Talk about hypocrisy. Roger Goodell with a straight face trying to say it's for the benefit of the fans. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not. Ask anyone who's got uh, reservations, plane reservation, hotel reservations to go fly and watch their team on a Sunday and be told 10 days ahead on them. Oh, yeah, never mind. You're not playing Sunday. You're playing th the Thursday ahead of time. Yeah, that that's really coming through for your fans there, Rog. Come on. The, 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 sometimes they say things that you, you got to make really the big question. And by How the way, there's are the people you and, think. And, talking you know, I, I'm sure there were others, but I saw John Maris. I'm going to pick on him specifically. Um, you know, he was out there saying, I don't want to play Thursday night football. That to me is like the, the, the second game. That to me is like the disingenuous politician, you know, Republican, Democrat, who know the bill's going to get passed. So depend, their boat doesn't matter. Uh, and they go out and, and, they, and they go on the podium and say, oh, I, I agree with you. I, I, this is atrocious. But deep down, they know eventually it's going to pass. I'm going to get my money so I can, I can you know, have my cake and eat it, too. That, that's just as much hypocrisy. Yeah, uh, I'm not not even close on that one. I think Mara is a straight shooter and has done so many great things for yeah. the national. Give the money back John. over decades, decades. No, uh, there's good and bad. There's to a whole bunch of owners in the National Football Roger League. Roger Goodell, wink, I'm, nod, I'm picking, I'm picking, I'm John picking Mara on. Would be so far at the bottom of the, that list. It's I'm ridiculous. picking on John Mara because he came out and said it. John Mara knows, like every owner in that league, eventually they're going to play. Well, they're, eventually they're going to do this on Thursday night. Every single one of them knows it. I was, knows when do you it. think that's going to happen? They go to uh, uh, move, being able to move games on Thursday. It's not going to happen. Well, they're going to actually talk about it in May. It's still going to yeah, happen. They, they, shot it they down tabled yesterday. it to May. They do you think it's going to happen May. this year? So you, you got to wrangle up in this year. It's like the whip. You got to wrangle up the politicians, all the disingenuous scumbags. And yes, they're all 32 of them. And I put them all in that same category, including Jeff Laurie. Doesn't mean they haven't done good things. Doesn't mean they have done. But you saw Jeffrey Laurie picking people's pockets. Jeffrey Laurie doesn't give a rat's ass about Kelly Green. Doesn't give a rat's ass. You know how I know that? Because he's the one who changed it to Midnight Green. And he likes the midnight green, and he doesn't know why everybody's obsessed with the Kelly Green. Wait, make a couple more bucks? Sure. Look, he does tremendous things with autism, uh, all those things. Just because you're 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 a greedy owner, which they all are, doesn't mean you can't do. It's not mutually exclusive. They do more charity than ninety nine percent of the people in the world who don't have. The, the wherewithal to do that. So there's plenty of good, but I'm not going to pretend like there isn't plenty of bad. And John Mara, despite all the good you mentioned, knows damn well the end game here, and he's being a hypocrite like your typical politician. That's all I'm saying. Every single one of them knows the end game, and they can play this game as long as they want. And whether it happens in May or whether it happens next year, it's going to happen. It's going to happen because they got to make Amazon happy. 
Yeah, I, I, they, at the end of the day, you're right. But I do think there are greedier owners than others. You got the 32 of them. I don't think they're all equally greedy. I think there are some guys that are more in tune with putting money in their pocket, not doing what's right by their fans and the like. And I do. If you think I'm misguided, so be it. But I think John Mara is one of the better owners who actually does care about I the I think fans. Jeffrey Lurie is one of the better owners. I'm not saying there's not a sliding scale. I'm saying at the end of the day, what he did yesterday was hypocrisy. That's all I'm saying. Okay. That specific and, instance and was hypocrisy. Fair enough. But I, I think that uh, John Mayer is one of the few, a handful of owners that has been that good for the entire league and the fans uh, that uh, he, he he should be above and beyond criticism in this one particular thing. All right, John, Johnny Mac and I coming back. We got two good guests for you today. Our usual spot with Mike Gill from the Sports Bash down the shore. He's going to jump in early. And then a little uh, later, hour number two, get our pal uh, Les Bowen up here. Sirianni and Lori both spoke yesterday. We'll see uh, what uh, both John and uh, Mike will think of what the owner and the coach had to say for the Philadelphia Eagles here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian in my heart. I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Heading down the shore. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. My name is uh, Fran Salerno. I'm a managing director here at DelVal Insurance Group. Been in the business for over 36 years, saving people money on their insurance needs. Give us a call. Let us help you custom design an insurance plan that meets both your needs and budget. of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
Back guys here with you on Birds 365. We got our buddy from down the shore, the host of the Sports Pass, uh, 97.3 FM, uh, ESPN Radio. Mike Gill, good enough to jump in with us. Uh, here's why I want to start with you, Mike Gill. Under over 425 and a half. The question is rushing yards this year for Trey Sermon. Because yesterday, Nick Sirianni talked him up a blue streak. Oh, my God, he's the greatest practice player in the history of practice. Man, you talk about uh, Jason Kelsey going through those walkthroughs. Apparently, Trey Sermon did, too, and flashed some brilliance because the coach was talking about him yesterday as if he could be the Eagles' lead back this year. You threw me a curveball with a Trey Sermon question to open yeah. up five in the He's morning. Like, Mike's like, what? Who's Trey Sermon? Uh, 425? I mean, I got to go with the under there. I, I think Penny, we talked a little bit about him. I mean, I think if he's healthy and can get you 12 to 15 games, you're getting a guy who, I mean, behind this offensive line, he could approach 1,000 yards with the way that kid runs. I mean, he is a is a very, very good back I don't know what Sermon's role is. They, You talk about what he said about uh, Sermon yesterday. He talked with a lot of praise about Kenny Gainwell. Oh, you saw what he did in the playoffs. Great Sermon. <laughs> True, but the proof is in the pudding. Gainwell was on the field in the playoffs, Sermon inactive. So, exactly. I mean, to me, you've got Penny, you've got Gainwell, <laughs> you've got Scott, and Sermon is still would probably be the fourth. Now, does he pass Scott maybe on the depth chart? I don't think he – uh, I, I like Scott. I don't know why they don't use him more, but I can't see Sermon having a big enough role where he'd get consistent touches to, to eclipse 425 yards. So I'll take the under on that one. Well, then, then what the hell are they going to do with B. John Robinson when they take him at number 10, Mike? I'm not in the camp that thinks they wouldn't take him, not at 10. I've done a lot of talking about this on my show. How far back is the line of demarcation to where yeah, you would I move I tried back? to ask Daniel Jeremiah that. I tried to ask him, what what's the floor? Where would he go, like numbers-wise? Right. Um, what and- team? Where's that team? Is it 17? Is it 15? Is it 20? How far back can you strategically go if you still want him to be in play? Because I would say this. Bijan Robinson's going to be – best player available when you draft he's going to be the highest rated player on your board if you're at if you have 10 and he's still on the board he's got to be the highest the, the best player available no yeah i mean he's closer should be yeah he, he he's closer to saquon barkley as a prospect than you know uh probably anybody since saquon so you know saquon went where two was it two, three, two or three, two or three, two, two. I think it was two. two yeah. Um, I, I mean, he's not last until 30. Um, and right. So where is that number? 10. Like yeah. uh, the, the, the Titans are at 11. They've had Derrick Henry for all these years. There was some talk about mo- trying to move him. Do they get to move him between now and then? And then get a new Derrick Henry. They're right behind you. Are you Washington? Where are they? Like 16, somewhere in that range. Is that a team that would say, you're not getting past us? What's that team? Where's that number that the Eagles can say, all right, we're not at 10. We'll move back. And if he's there at 17, we'll take him. Now, right. I will say, if you listen to Jeffrey Lurie, 
and I've been saying this for years. Jeffrey's been saying it for years, and he's right. Um, he, he basically said good offense beats good defense now. I mean, he, he, you know, at the end he said, you know, whatever it was, buck 43 left. If, if you know, the Eagles get the football, uh, you know, there's no Bradbury penalty. They kick a field goal. Eagles are probably winning that game, and Steve Spagnolo's getting all the Jonathan Gannon shit over in Kansas City because they weren't stopping him. Um, and I agree with him. Um, good, good defense used to be good offense in this league. Now it's the exact opposite. Jeffrey believes that. Jeffrey knows that. If 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 that's the standpoint, why not just build up your offense to outscore people? And yeah, how but, do you easily do well, that? Add B. John Robinson to Jeffrey, the Yeah, but Jeffrey often believes we've got enough anecdotal evidence. Good passing offense beats good defense in the NFL. Not good balanced offense, good passing offense. That's probably true as well. But I'm trying to play devil's advocate. You're blowing me up, Jody. Uh, I, I give you a team, Mikey, um, that I think it depends on how you analyze it. It could be very advantageous for the Eagles. <laughs> the Chicago Bears are at number nine. And they've turned the corner. Last year, they went backwards. They're now trying to build it back up and give Justin Fields more protection, more weapons, and the like. At number nine, I would think that B. John Robinson, to get him uh, to give Justin Fields a little bit more break, that he doesn't have to run the football. I think the Bears are going to try and photocopy what the Eagles did, have a running game and a running quarterback so you don't have to put your quarterback at risk as much. I think he could go number nine, which then means if we're right about the quarterbacks, that four quarterbacks are going in the first eight picks. You've got five players that are taken that play in a position that the Eagles weren't going after anyway. Means you're getting the fifth best player at number 10. That's pretty good if you're the Philadelphia Eagles, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, listen, they're in a great spot at 10, knowing that you have this quarter, even if only three of the quarterbacks go, you, you have another you know group of guys that wouldn't have normally been there that you have now to choose from. Uh, I, I said last week, I think on the show, I think the Bears have to take an offensive lineman. I mean, <laughs> they have to. Um, you, you just made the commitment to the quarterback by trading out of that spot. Their offensive line was horrendous last year. They've got to get a left tackle, right? They've got to get someone to play on that offensive line. So Bajon Robinson, that would be a spot for him, no question. But that, would, to me, would be foolishly thinking that you can just pop a running back in there without an offensive line and think that he's going to all of a sudden help this offense out and save this offense. They've got to build much like the Eagles starting up front in the trenches, you know, and, and as we know, look, the Eagles have a luxury pick. They can do something outside the box. You know, we talked yesterday on our show, John, about the giants took Saquon Barkley at number two. Well, the giants stunk. So taking Saquon Barkley hasn't really changed them. They weren't any good when they took him. The Eagles are one of the best offenses in the league and have a luxury pick. So because they're already one of the best offenses, with the luxury pick, you can get a luxury if you want to. You're not a team that is trying to rebuild yourself. How do you rebuild from the line out? The Eagles already have a line. So they can go outside the box if they choose to now. I don't think they're all that comfortable at number 10 going outside the box. 
but they can get creative if they like the guy. There's a possibility they can move back to get that guy. That's why it's different taking a running back for the Eagles than, say, Chicago or the, when the Giants did it. Well, yeah, I mean, that that's part of the problem. I mean, generally, when you're at the top of the draft, generally you're a bad football team at that particular moment. So, you know, it's probably not good value to take a running back, certainly in the modern NFL at any point. That's the argument. Um, Howie is so entrenched in, in valuation and value the pick, making sure not only you get a good player, but also get good value with that particular pick. Sometimes I think to a, a, a little bit too much, uh, to a detriment. Um, that's why I think there's no way he's taking a running back. And, it, and, and if he does, it would have to be the unicorn. It would have to be the Christian McCaffrey. Not only can you, are you a Saquon Barkley-like runner, but you also have the rare, I would argue, never seen before receiving ability from that position. You got to be able to pass protect. You got to be, you just got to be a unicorn of a player. Um, So, I mean, it's fun to talk about, but in a lot of ways I look at the running back room, like the cornerback room, like nobody, nobody learns from previous years. You know, remember at this time last year, the Eagles are talking up Kerry Vincent, Mac McCain and Tate Gowan. Oh, we love these guys. We love (laughs) these guys. They're going to be, now it's the Trey Sermons of the world. Kenny Gainwell's of the world. And Kenny's more entrenched, and he did have a good postseason run. But I still say when Jody asked that question originally over under 425, Trey Sermon's going to get an opportunity because, you know, he's a former third-round pick. He's going to get an opportunity. Um, But I think the leading rusher of this team is still TBD, to be determined. Uh, And by that, I mean he's probably not here yet. And that includes Rashad Penny as well. I think they're going to draft a kid third, fourth round. It's a deep running back draft. Yes, I got to I know they don't have a fourth round pick right now, but they'll get one. Um, and and they might go the rookie running back route. I still think that's likely. All right, but then if that's the case, John and Mike, uh, how good is Trey Sermon? If if you're going to take a running back in the third or fourth round, and he's going to be good enough to become the number one running back of the Philadelphia Eagles. How good is Rashad Penny? How good is Kenny Gainwell? Well, I, I'll tell Fox you what Scott? scares How me. How good is Trey Sermon if he can't get out of the number five spot? I'll tell you what concerns me about Trey Sermon. <clears throat> if, you know, if the Eagles are the best running team in the NFL, San Francisco's probably number two. And the fact that they gave up on him so early in the process, that's a little bit scary. That's a red flag to me because they they run the football with anybody as well. You know, Raheem Mostert was a nobody till he got to San Francisco, was cut like a hundred times, and all of a sudden, you know, everybody oh Raheem Jeff Wilson's of the world. I mean, anybody. It's like it's like the old days with Mike Shanahan. Anybody behind that offensive line, that running scheme, Kyle Shanahan, there's a equation there. Um they run. They run the football. And they get Trey Sermon in the third round, and they give up on him that quickly? That that concerns me a little bit. Yeah, I would um, – you know, the one thing with uh, Robinson that I think is being discounted a little bit. First off, the, I, I, 
the guy he catches the ball out of the backfield. He he can you know he is an every down type of back. He breaks yeah, tackles. He makes people. I don't know if he's at McCaffrey, but I'm saying he is a guy that it, you, you could do a lot with him. He is a, a very he's a tougher runner than Barkley is. I mean, and I don't think he would have the injury issues that Barkley has. Now, if you draft a guy in the middle rounds, these guys are all capable. Miles Sanders gets you 1,200 yards. You're talking about bringing a guy in though that could possibly be that guy that gets you 1,700 yards and be. And they need just, it though. Look at the quarterback. That's the question. Do they need it? Well, with the quarterback, does this lessen the quarterback's necessity to run less hits on him? Or does the team not care? Do they want him to run? Is that an element that they want him to continue to add? Or do they want to start saying, let's scale that back by giving him a back who can break tackles? Miles Sanders not a guy breaking a lot of tackles. He was good at hitting the hole and just kind of going. But if he got, you know, he was – a lot of East West stuff. Uh, not the best vision. Uh, Sanders right. didn't catch the I'm ball. I'm glad you brought that up because I thought that was the most important part of Nick Sirianni's uh, breakfast uh, yesterday. Um, I forgot who asked him, um, but somebody asked him basically that: Do you want to scale back on Jalen? Um, and and he answered, "Nope. Uh, I don't want to take away what he does well." Why do people want to take away what Jalen Hurts does well? So many fans want to take away. You want to take away Jalen Hurts. What makes Jalen Hurts great? The plus one. And you want to take that away by saying, oh, we're just going to line up a back uh, behind you, just hand it off. No zone read, no RPO. That puts incredible stress on the opposing defense. Now I get the thought from a health, it's all health related, right? You think, well, less times to get hit. I get that part of it. But what, what, you know, I think the Eagles are at the point where the shelf life is what the shelf life is, but I'm not going to take away what makes this kid great. And I agree with them. Do you guys agree with them? Mm, Not as fervently as you do. Um, how many carries did uh, anybody know off the top of your head? How many ca- And uh, we know a good number of those were on fourth down at one yard. And we can debate the injury possibilities on a quarterback sneak as well. But how many uh, carries did uh, Jalen Hurts have last year? A hundred. I'd have to look it up. One, oh. one seventy. Uh, some, uh, uh, quick uh, peek tells me Jalen Hurts one sixty-five times. Yeah, so that's basically ten times. Well, he didn't play in two games, so that's more than ten carries a game. I can hear Shane Steichen yelling at me right now, Jody. For how, not knowing how many what sneaks? The... No, no. How many sneaks? How many? How many were those meaningful carries? How many were those design carries? Right. Oh, that that's that's a Sirianni favorite. It doesn't count if it wasn't designed that way. Uh, yes, it does, Coach. Anytime well, you put your quarterback at risk, it counts as a rushing attempt. It sounds great to say this as Sirianni now. And I agree with you, John. Like, you call the offense. Like, you're in the middle of the game. Your thought process isn't as, well, I'm going to call this play. Oh, he might get hurt on this play, so I'm going to change. No, you're just calling in your instincts take over when competition happens. But I guess when you're writing a check for $50 million a year as opposed to whatever the check was this past year, somebody else might say, 
I don't want you running him as much. That's the beauty. I don't think the owner's doing that. That's the beauty of it. And he's the only one you got to get the approval of. And he's going to write that check and say, and if that's don't let the case, and, and great. If that's the case, great. And it goes back to what I said. Then the instincts take over. In the middle of the four quarters of the game, the instincts of everything take over. And you're calling plays freely as your instincts and your mind is telling you in that moment. And if Jalen Hurts is your best option, you're going to call Jalen Hurts to run how many times, Jody? Ten times a game. Yeah, more than ten. And my point is, if it's scaled back to eight and a half, would that be the worst thing in the world? Would you really be compromising your chances to win in week in and week out? Uh, I'm just saying that there might be a compromise position here. Those who go, he's got to stay in the pocket. Well, that's dumb because, as John pointed out, the, what makes Jalen Hurts special is the fact that he can make plays with his like To just wipe that off the screen would be idiotic. To contemplate maybe pulling it back a little bit and trying to scale it back. I don't think that's outrageous. And since you mentioned Jeff Laurie, John, yes, I do believe. If Jalen Hurts got hurt on a rushing attempt in week 16 and was done for the season, yeah, I think it would pass through Jeff Laurie's mind. Do we really need to run the quarterback as much as we do? We couldn't just let Jalen pick him apart from the pocket. Yeah, I, I do think Nick Sirianni would have to worry about that if you got the worst-case scenario results. Well, he would get pissed in the moment. Everybody gets pissed. You know, in the moment, it's incredibly disappointing when a superstar player gets hurt. Um, Who could also get hurt in the pocket. Yeah, which he did. You know, he's been hurt two years, right? He got hurt once in the pocket, once outside the pocket last year. Um, so two years, one and one. Um that's my, you know, I say it all the time. I mean, you can't legislate injuries. You can try. Um, and, but, you know, I think. Oh, the Eagles you, think you can legislate injuries by practicing less. And, and, and to a certain degree, they're, they're, they're right in the offseason stuff. Uh, you know, it's I, not that it feels better. I don't know what term you want to use. But if you get hurt in the game, it seems more meaningful than if you get hurt in practice. doesn't matter, but it seems more meaningful. Um, so I think part of it's about that. You just want to get to the games and then say, all right, you know, let's roll the dice. Everybody's rolling the dice. It's a violent sport. Um, so, but I think part of what you say, Jody, is kind of baked in with the experience. You know, Jalen's going to continue to play. Um, Jalen's going to get savvier and savvier. And if he's playing, you know, the Eagles are up by three touchdowns. He's going to hand the ball off. He's just going to say, well, what do, what do we care? But, you know, if, if he needs to run it 13 times against the Cowboys to win the NFC East, he's probably going to win it 13 times. So I think part of that is just baked into his experience level as he continues to play. I'm with Nick, man. I'm not taking away his I'm, I'm not even thinking about making him think about taking away what makes him great as a player. But I think Mike's uh, point is, is well received. Once he signs that new contract and he's eating up that percentage of the cap, there is more to lose if Jalen Hurts goes down with an injury. Well, sure. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's and especially because well, that's coming. You, we all know it's coming. If you listen to both Sirianni and Lori yesterday, let me give you this. Um, if I were Jalen Hurts' agent, when I have my next negotiating session with Howie Roseman and I go into his office, I go, Howie, if you would, can I play this for you? 
I would play a tape of both Nick Sirianni talking about Jalen Hurts yesterday and Jeff Lurie talking about Jalen Hurts yesterday because they were both full of glowing praise about how mature this way and the upside and he's working. He's a maniac in the weight room and oh my, he's going to be better next year than he was this year. I'd play that for Howie just in case Howie missed it. Yeah, right. Uh, it, this is the guy we're talking about, right? The, the one who your owner and coach can't come up with enough superlatives to describe him. What is that? How many over 50 million are we talking about? Yeah, the, the owner and the Whoa. coach both made Howie Roseman's renegotiating job more difficult. Yeah, they did. They really, they, they're not even playing games here. That's what we were talking about that yesterday, Jody. I'm not even concerned at, at, at all that this extension is getting done. Um, they're not even paying lip service to negotiating. They're like, yeah, yeah we're, you're great. We're going to pay you. I mean. Sirianni the, called him Michael Jordan after yeah. the season ended. You know, you knew at that moment. I mean, but quite frankly, you, you look at it from this perspective too. If we got to a point where we want to pay you $50 million, I shouldn't want to pay you $50 million and ask you to do less. You got to a point to earn $50 million by doing X. I don't want you to now do Y because I'm paying you more. I still point. want X. Yeah, yeah, but sometimes X can be more valuable than Y. If Jalen's going to take off run, turn it up field. Well, my algebra skills aren't all that five, That's a good thing. But if he throws it downfield to A.J. Brown for a 25-yard gain, well, that's better than running and getting the chains moving. It is. And my algebra skills aren't all that great at 46 years old. But – I know if I add another weapon, then my ex doesn't have to do as much. He can That's just true. continue That's to true. be. I mean, ex. I, I think I think most teams uh, who have uh, quarterbacks that are 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 mobile and it's a big parts. Whether you want to call it RPO quarterbacks, zone read quarterbacks, I think it's kind of baked into their thought process that they're not getting Tom Brady's longevity. I mean, you're just not. But well, I, I mean, mean, then again. If you're picking a pocket quarterback, you're not getting Tom Brady's longevity either. And you're not getting Tom Brady. And you're not getting Tom Brady, by the way. But just look at what's going on with Lamar Jackson. This guy was the MVP of the league. I mean, Jalen had a great year. He was second in the MVP. Lamar Jackson won an MVP award, and he can't get paid. He can't get the money. Now, he's asking for a ridiculous amount of money. But now, he's not asking for a ridiculous amount of money. He's asking for a ridiculous amount of way to get that money. Yep. But he can't get the money because – and nobody wants to trade for him either. Nobody – because they don't – not that they don't think he's worth it. It's because he wants a ridiculous amount of money guaranteed. But I don't want to pay you this guaranteed money if I don't think you can stay healthy. They don't think the guy stinks. They don't think the guy's not going to make the – they all agree that he's going to make the team probably better, but they're afraid that he can't stay healthy. And you wonder if that is something that's in the Eagles' mind at all. It doesn't seem that that enters their mind with Jalen Hurts at all, that, hey, this guy's not going to stay healthy. So why does it enter the, the other team's mind for Jackson, but not the Eagles' mind for Hurts? Well, plus – and I, I it, it amazes me why – a lot of fans can't wrap their heads. We went through this with C.J. Gardner-Johnson for uh, a much lesser degree than obviously Lamar. And every every issue is different. Um, but, you know, if, if, and it, it could be somebody who owns a business locally, a restaurant, whatever. 
if you got an employee who's a pain in the ass all the time, you're not happy with them. You're 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 just not. I, I'm not saying it's right. Sometimes it's wrong. Sometimes it's right. Sometimes it's in between. But I'm surprised why people can't get their head around it. And if you say, well, this guy's a pain in the ass, and this guy over here, he might not be quite as good, but he's not a pain in the ass. I'm going to go with the non-pain in the ass. I mean, that's that's common sense, isn't it? Generally, yes. I mean, you, <laughs> I've had some pain in the asses that I've had to deal with in my past, and yeah, uh, it's much better. Have. It's much better when the pains in the asses aren't there. Uh, by the way, was there ever reports or talk during the year that CJ Gardner Johnson was a pain in the ass? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I talked That's about one it on of the reasons show. why New Orleans was willing to trade him. Well, I know that. I know New Orleans, you know, thought he was a little flamboyant, and there was a lot of reports coming here that he was a very vocal and, you know, but like, was there behind the scenes issues? Did players not like him? Did coaches not like him? Well, he threw Gaddon under the bus. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I think look, the they, Eagles, the Eagles knew as Jody knows, I called it a big personality. He's a really big personality, but he's not, a, there are big personalities. Brandon Graham be a perfect example. Darius Slay. There are big personalities who do it in a positive fashion for the most part. And I know people bring up Slay throwing Josiah Scott under the bus. And I argue Slay wasn't throwing Josiah Scott under the bus. He was just trying to ed- educate fans who don't un- understand invert cover two, and they're blaming him. Now, part of it is, yeah, he was upset that he got blamed for something that wasn't his fault. But at the end of the day, that's who he is. He's trying to educate people and saying, you don't know ball, blah, blah, blah. He talks his crap. And he's right. For the most part, 99% of the people don't. Um, however, uh, uh, he does most of his in a positive fashion. I, I bring up when Devin Allen got here. Like nobody knew Devin Allen. He wasn't here. He was still doing track. He was at the Penn Relays. It was Slay who got teammates together. Say, let's go support this kid. Uh, it, it, it was him who did that. That's why he was voted a team captain. Not only that reason, he does that kind of stuff. Brandon's the best guy in the world, right? But he tr- talks immense trash, talks trash to everybody. Um, yeah. And if you can't handle that, you, you might get a little bit as, uh, upset. But he does it in a positive fashion. CJ, not as much. CJ is a pain in the you-know-what. But, you know, the Eagles were fine with it. They were planning on bringing him back. That was motive. Uh, I don't know if you saw Marcus Hayes or Buddy, his his report. You know, Denard Wilson, one of his jobs was like, hey, get this guy on the right page. Get this guy right. Get this guy on the page. Get this guy to buy in. And, you know, that was pretty much the marching orders. So they knew it was going to be sort of a, a personality you had to massage so, yeah, I mean, I, I see all these criticisms. Philly media is trying to throw C.J. Gardner under the bus. I don't give a crap. If C.J.'s here, C.J.'s not here. 32 teams made the decision on C.J. Gardner-Johnson. I didn't make the decision on him. Yeah, He got, he well, got the contract seemed, he got. It just seemed that there was a reputation coming in, which was yes. well documented. But during the season, it did, well, the season went well. So we didn't hear a lot of, man, this Gardner-Johnson's a pain in the ass. And then all of a sudden, when he left, it was this guy's a real pain in the ass. Or maybe fair, I missed. But, maybe I but, missed during the season that things were happening, and, and didn't like because the season was so positive that it didn't come to light all that much. 
All right. Uh, but as John pointed out, we had Marcus Hayes on the show a couple of weeks ago. He did say that his sources told him yeah. that Denard Wilson did a real good job of keeping Gardner Johnson under wraps. There that, you go. That they knew ahead of time that this is a big personality, as McMullen calls him, coming into the team. You're going to have to ride atop this guy and make sure that he doesn't do anything that's going to. Uh, Denard Wilson, the- thank you. You're fired. Yeah, that's exactly the way it played out. Mutually. Mutually. Last one for me. Mutually. Did Jeff Lurie throw Doug Peterson under the bus last night? And if you don't know what I'm referring to, I'll explain for you. In talking about Nick Sirianni and turning over the coaching staff and grinding and doing 12 linebacker coach interviews, Nick Sirianni really got into the uh, picking the perfect staff and putting in the time and effort rather than just hiring his friends, which I heard that and I'm going, oh, that's a that's a shot right across Doug Peterson's bow. He's, he's taking a little dig at the former Super Bowl winning coach by pointing out which, how dedicated and into filling out his staff Nick Sirianni was. Which doesn't seem to make a whole heck of a lot of sense considering Doug went to a disaster dumpster fire in the first year and got them to the playoffs. So it's not like what Doug has done is completely the wrong way. You may have had it here, not see eye to eye in a moment. The guy won you a Super Bowl, but then the roster started to deplete, and it seemed that they were targeting the coaching staff as to why you were having issues when it could have been twofold that, yeah, maybe the coaching staff wasn't the greatest it could be, but you also had an aging roster that was decimated by injuries that all played a factor. So, yeah, to do to take a shot at Peterson seems to be, if that's what it was, Seems to be pretty off. Please feel free to correct me if you think I'm no, wrong. No, I'm just I'm, I'm agreeing. With I think you, it was Doug. more of a. I, I'll I'll say I think it was more of a shot at the league because he also mentioned nepotism, I believe, which wasn't about Doug Peterson. There was no nepotism there. Which is, I mean, that's it, about the Shanahan's and the Donatels and the Zimmers and the and the Kubiaks, the 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 regime names in this league where their kids are you know, immediately elevated. John and I apologize for interrupting. Do you really want to go there in a press conference where someone can ask you about your son is his prepared nature to take over the team someday? Yeah, I'm not saying. What did I talk about in the opening segment, Jody, with hypocrisy? He's the the one who used nepotism. He used the word. And you're exactly right. I mean, now, ownership's a little bit different. I mean, you're not going to say, Hey, I'm Jeffrey Lurie. I'm 71. I'm going to retire. I'm going to interview people to take over the Eagles. You're going to give it to your kid unless your kid's a not a giant F up and, you know, it hasn't. I mean, that's just the way it is. It's a little bit different. Um, you're not going to interview people to take over the team as the owner. So I'll, I'll give them a little bit of a pass there. But, yeah, I mean, nepotism is a big problem in this league. Although, you know. Kyle's done pretty well, Shanahan. The Kubiaks have done pretty well. Uh, Bill Belichick's son. Uh, Steve Belichick, yeah, he's another one. Um, Zimmer's son unfortunately passed away, but there's no way he should have been a defensive coordinator. He was. Um, isn't Donatel's isn't, kid. I mean, Donatel shouldn't be a defensive great coordinator. Great-grandson about ready to take over and become a coach in the National Football League. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, there is a lot of nepotism in this league. Now, what's ironic about Doug and completely unfair is some of these coaches Jeffrey didn't like at the end. And the best example of it is Press Taylor. 
A, Doug didn't hire Press Taylor. He was here. He, he was brought in by Chip Kelly, and they kept him. And why did they keep him? Because they loved him so much. And if you go back to the Super Bowl and you remember, oh, Press Taylor, he found the Philly special. He mined it from a meaningless Chicago, Minnesota tape, week 17. He found it. He's responsible. And then all of a sudden, Doug takes a liking to him. Things go wrong with Carson Wentz, and all of a sudden, Press Taylor's an idiot. Well, that's not, that's not. And by the way, now he's the offensive coordinator of Jacksonville. He's doing fine. Yeah, uh, come on, Jeffrey. Uh, it, 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 here's the thing about Jeffrey: great owner. I say it all the time. But you know, when the expectations aren't met, he's going to find one or two scapegoats, and he and he proved it with Mike Groh. Mike Groh is a great guy, great coach, wide receivers coach now with Brian Dayball, who's a pretty good coach. So you know, it's not like he's a bad coach. Um, well, to know. judge anything off of the tw- whatever Doug's last season was 2021, 2020, to judge anything off of that season with the injuries that they had on that offensive line, I think it's misguided. Just to blame anybody fully, wholeheartedly would be misguided. I mean, look, it was a team that just got absolutely decimated by injuries. And on top of the fact, the guy you paid the most money and put the most trust in. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. Mike Rowe, Mike Rowe and Preston Heller are paying for Carson Wentz, and we now yep. know it, it probably wasn't their fault. We now know that. Yeah. Um, so uh, Jeffrey's a little bit off base there. But, you Carson, know, he loves his Carson's job gonna get a job. Carson's going to get a job? Yeah. Uh, you know, backup I'm not, quarterback. I'm not sure about that. If he wants to play, which he says he does, there's not a lot of good quarterbacks. I, he's now firmly um, entrenched as a backup. There's not going to be any question about him starting. I, I think he'll get a job at some point. Might happen late, but I mean, there's not a lot of good backup quarterbacks. He, he, Our he buddy had- Matt Bergeram had Gardner Minshew at number four. So, you know, there's not a lot of good backup quarterbacks. Where do you have Marcus Mariota? 13, I think, Joe. Was it 13? Or was it the other way around? Mariota was four and Cardinals No, yeah. That's why I, I Matt, he had he had Minshew, he had better, Minshew way up better high. than all, right. yeah. well, I'll, all I'll say for Car- uh, Carson is better root for an injury. Uh, I'm kind of with you, Mike. I don't think it's a lock that he's going to get a job in the league this upcoming year. All right, Mike, last thing. Which of these will you be purchasing? A Kelly Green hat. An actual Kelly Green Eagle jersey, a zero. Kelly Green Eagle jersey. What? Wh- how are zero. you going to help Mister Lori line his pockets with your Kelly Green swag purchase this off season? Well, not a big Kelly Green guy, man. Oh, I know everybody. Yeah, loves Jeff Lori doesn't want to hear that out of you, Mike. Yo, come on. I know everybody loves the Kelly Green. I'm like the generation right ahead of the Kelly Green. Like I got the back end of the Kelly Green. You know, I did get the Gang Green defense, the Buddy Ryan. I was very young for that. Yeah, come on. But you know, I grew up with the McNabb. You know, it was my high school and college years. So I'm a Midnight Green. The Kelly Green to me is just. Uh, Never really did it for me much. I know that people love it. Doesn't do much for me. So I'm out on the uh, the Kelly green hat, scarf, hoodie, all the above. I'm out. Okay. I thought, I thought you were buying, but uh, no, nope. I'm not a Jersey guy to begin with. No jerseys oh. here, but 
Uh, I, I will have the subliminal, like I, I when I rock something, it's usually very small, you know. Although I'm rocking the uh, Dunedin Brewery today. There you go. Nice. I know you like this. You like my T-shirts every week, Jody. Dunedin yeah. Brewery. We had I had somebody. I think it was Macnow and I had him on Sunday. That's like one of the best brewery places in America. That they've got a bunch of them in a two-mile radius, uh, three or four different brew house places. Who the hell knew that Dunedin, Florida, was the yeah. brewing capital? Of who, the world? who trains there now? I the get blue gays. The Blue, blue Jays. The Dunedin's yeah. Brewery is the oldest brewery in Florida. And in Dunedin, it is, there, there, there's a block. There's a whole alleyway that has like five or six breweries. Right. Uh, Cooney is one. Uh, something HOB is next door to that. I hit them all, baby. Yeah, yeah see, uh, when I used to go to the Blue Jays and the uh, Phillies preseason games in Dunedin, I'd leave by the fourth inning so I could get the Tampa Bay Downs by the fourth race. Uh, yeah, there was no stop-offs in the breweries. I knew just how to get from the Blue Jay Stadium to Tampa Bay Downs in nice. about 18 minutes. I could make it for the second half of the card. Uh, Mikey, great stuff. Always a pleasure, bud. We'll talk to you again next week. All right, so you won't be going out and buying Kelly Green, but Jeff Laurie will forgive you just the same. Yeah. At my right, Gill Show, today, 2 to 6, 97.3. You got the John McMullen. Is that your big guest of the day? John McMullen come on your show today? I'm always his biggest guest. Uh, Monday through joking. Thursday at 3 o'clock, we, we do football. Uh, we do football at 4 every day, football at 3, and a couple days a week at 5. Right. Football, baby. It's all football. You you might be getting McMullen this afternoon on the Sports Bash with Mike Gill. Thanks, Mike. He's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. We're your Mac and Mac Birds 365, guys. Uh, Les Bowen going to join us next hour. A couple of more Jeff Laurie statements from last night. I want to run by my partner. Uh, so keep it here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit TheOceanAC.com to plan your visit. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. 
wherever you are in life. Count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Is the best vacation one that you find or one you get lost in? One that takes you to new heights or reminds you to go with the flow? To get your feet wet and your wheels spinning? One that lets you find your own rhythm or get carried away? Find the best of yourself. Get lost in the woods. Plan your stay in the Wildwoods today. Plan your day with confidence. Keep the umbrellas on hand. With action news and AccuWeather. Numerous tornadoes. Your go-to team when severe weather strikes. The water is still rising. Keeping you prepared wherever you watch. Action news and AccuWeather. The team you trust. We all know that taxes are just part of life. It's true during our working years, but also in retirement. But what you might not know is up to 85% of your Social Security benefits might be taxed. Our team at Thrive Financial has helped retire thousands of people across the Delaware Valley by asking questions they never knew they needed to ask, including how their Social Security benefits might be taxed. It's time to be proactive on taxes. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. As a hardworking American, you've never experienced how tough life can be until now. A catastrophic injury while working on the job. A personal injury from someone else's negligence. Turned away by other law firms in the region who didn't bother to learn your story. It's time to meet the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm and managing partner Brian Fritz. Badly injured? Call the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm. Find out why they say, we got this. Les Bowen going to jump in in less than 20 minutes from now. Uh, John, we're talking about Sirianni and his uh, meeting with the media early in the day, and then Laurie with his meeting later in the day. Um, and since we're calling guys on the carpet for being disingenuous, can I use that word? Um, sure. Sure. I think I need to do that with the Eagles owner as well. Uh, when asked about the rule change, this is big. There's a rule change in the National Football League that was brought to the attention of the league by the Philadelphia Eagles that next year players are going to be able to wear number zero. Jeff Laurie said it was because the Eagles needed another number. Yeah, I, 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 because they've changed so. what numbers players can wear and for uh, the ability of guys to get what they want. And uh, that somehow the Philadelphia Eagles who don't retire numbers um, or many of them are running short of numbers. Yeah, so I didn't for the that. equipment guy to have the flexibility to be able to give out number zero. That's why the Eagles brought a rule change to the National Football League's attention because it's too difficult for the Eagles equipment guys to outfit the players with numbers. Really, Jeff, are you going there? By I the think- way, by the way, Jody, it's interesting you bring that up because I 
I, I chuckled at that as well. But the bigger part of me is he gave a shout out to John Ferrari, who, you know, because mm-hmm. these Eagle, Eagles, one of the two Eagles assistant GMs, and he used to be the football compliance guy, he used to be the rules guy. And he gave a shout out. And I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, you know, nothing against John. I'm, I'm sure he does a tremendous job, but typically, you know, compliance guys aren't elevated to assistant GM of the football team. And he's still worried about this. I mean, shouldn't his role have increased? Uh, that's where, that's where I went. And I'm you know, look how he never gave the assistant GM tag out until right. this year. And he gave it to John Ferrari, a compliance guy, rules guy, and Alec Halaby, analytics guy. Yep. He never gives it to a personnel guy. You know, Howie's a great GM. You hear me all the time, top five, but I'm fair. You know, he doesn't want a personnel guy getting any credit. Like Joe Douglas used to get credit um, before he moved on to the Jets. A lot of people would give Joe credit. That's a little bit of a ego thing, I think, for, for Howie. Might well be, and I don't know this. This is pure speculation on Jody McDonald's part. The Eagles brought that number zero thing back up seven or eight weeks ago. It was first reported that the Eagles were going to uh, apply for and see if they could get voted through the fact that the players could get the zero number. It was before they had re-signed James Bradbury. And before they had renegotiated Darius Slay and Christian Gonzalez, the outstanding cornerback from Oregon, uh, where wore number zero at Oregon this year. And I just uh, maybe I'm a little bit of a grassy knoll conspiracy theory yeah, guy. That's a I read into it that they yeah. were greasing the skids for when they selected Chris Gonzalez, uh, Christian Gonzalez with the 10th pick of the draft. Hey, we got your number zero. So, listen, if we're fighting over the last $100,000 of this rookie deal here and signing bonus money, hey, we went to bat with you for the league before you even got into the league, Christian. So, come on. Give us a little break. Sign your contract. I, I, I don't. Uh, You're not that, going that, there with me? No. I'm, I'm, going to, well, because, I'm going up that hill by myself, McMahon. Yeah. You know, oh, believe me, you're not by yourself. There's like 10,000 people on Reddit coming up with the same thing. You know, there's always the conspiracy people. Um, I try not to be, but I went there on this occasion. You, you don't want to highlight to anybody, hey, we're going to take Christian Gonzalez with the 10th pick. Then if somebody wants him at nine, you know, they're going to trade up. Um, so you never want to tip things to that degree. I think it's like everything else. Same thing as Kelly Green. Uh, you know, is there is there another way to eke out a little bit more money um, in merchandising and things like that. I, yeah, that's all if, I if think it's right, about. you're right, and you may well be, the Eagles are the cutting-edge team. They're, they're the ones who come, came up with Is that why Ferrari got the credit? Because none of the other 31 teams said, hey, number zero, more money for us. More merchandise. Get it out there. Any way we can put more money. I think, first of all, I would give the credit I will give credit. The Eagles are typically ahead of the curve on most things in the NFL. So I give them credit for that. I think most teams around the NFL are like me in this category. Like who gives a lion, you know what? I think most teams don't care about this type of stuff at all. Um, So there's part of both, I would say. 
I would say most teams. So is don't that negligence care. on the other teams that they're not thinking about how maybe, to make maybe on the business side and their thirty one other partners more money? Maybe on the business side of things, not the football side. That's uh, part of it. Yeah. You can't while we may prefer to focus on the football side, sometimes the business side leaks over to the football side. And has an effect, so you you've got to be able to cover it all. And I thought Lori did a great job with that last night. Um, we taped and replayed on my WIP show last night uh, after nine twenty-five. Um, Seventeen minutes out of the twenty-five minutes that he did, uh, he did a good job of singing the praises of his entire organization. And that's what a good owner does, because you do. You need a very good organization from top to bottom. A lot of people doing a lot of things. And he did go out of his way to give a lot of people credit last night for the very good season the Eagles had going all the way till the last 10 seconds of the Super Bowl. And uh, you would expect an owner to do that, and he wants to do that. I don't think it's misplaced with the Eagles. I do think they no. are one of the best-run organizations in the entire national football. Oh, my God, yeah. I mean, every year at the annual meetings, they take a annual coaches photo, which Nick Sirianni missed. But uh, they're, they're, I believe, 13 uh, of the 32 NFL coaches who once worked for the Eagles. Think about that, Jody. Uh, I mean, we, we talked about the attrition in the front office. When people need executives, they're calling Philadelphia. Uh, they have been over the past year. I mean, the proof is in the pudding. I mean, people steal from the Eagles. They steal from the Eagles for a reason. Their guys are well-trained, well-prepared. Yeah, I mean, I can't criticize them for that. I I mean, (laughs) all over the league. Everybody's got a freaking, everywhere you look. It's a guy you know. It's a guy. It's a guy who used to work here. It's unbelievable. Both coaching and front office. Uh, so Jeff Laurie gave uh, his entire team, and when I see team, I mean organization. Uh, props. All right, Les going to join us coming up in less than five. But uh, I do want to uh, just get this into the mix. Meant to do it yesterday, but we uh, were off on whatever tangents we were off on. Kind of a, a victory lap for yours truly. Um, Last week when we talked about the Adam Schefter report that Ezekiel Edwards would consider coming to Philadelphia to play for the Eagles, one of the teams that he had interest in, I read the report and I just flat out laughed out loud. And my immediate thought was, this is a thinly veiled attempt to get the Cowboys reinterested. That if you're going to throw the Eagles in the mix, oh, my God, what if he landed in Philadelphia? What if he scores four touchdowns against us in the two games next year? What if that's the reason the Eagles repeat as champions first time in two decades and we lose out because of Zika? And the first thing that popped in my head was, oh, he just wants to re-engage with the Cowboys. Uh, yesterday, yeah, it was not yesterday, day before, both Mike McCarthy and Jerry Jones on the record. We haven't closed the door on Zeke. Yeah, we might not have negotiated a potential reduced contract with him, but we would never say, like Motel 6, we leave a light on for him. It's going to be have to be at our dollar figure, but oh yeah, Zeke Zeke is uh, not out of the, the potential mix for the Cowboys. He accomplished what he wanted to. 
He got him at least talking about it. He got a reporter to say, yeah, you know, Zeke going to the cup. Have you guys just completely given up on Zeke? And he got both the owner and the coach to say, oh, no, yeah, we, we'd still consider it. We're, we're not moving toward yeah, it. Or I don't know how much. It. You know, it's funny because the Eagles have no interest. In None. Zero. Zero. Um, uh, Trace Herbert's rushing for 458 yards this year, Johnny Mac. Come on. I heard yeah, the coach I, yesterday. He's the greatest practice runner of all time. I think uh, Robert Sala, uh, your guy, was asked about it. And he said, we love our running back room. I'll just leave it at that. You know, he pretty much closed the door. He was one of the yeah, teams. Yeah, he did. He did. Um, the Cowboys didn't. Sala did. Uh, the Bengals were the other team. I don't think there's a lot of interest in in Ezekiel Elliott. I don't, I don't, I didn't see what Jerry said. I saw what Mike said <clears throat> and Mike was like, you know, what were we just talking about, about the running back room, you know, Nick talking up his guys. Yeah. That's what you do this time of year. So I, I think, yeah, we always keep the door open. Absolutely. is what Mike said. I mean, what? So what? They don't want them. They don't want him either. Nobody wants him because they ran him into the ground. He's not the player he once was. Jerry, I didn't see, but Jerry's Jerry. I mean, it's like I was talking about last year at this time with Tay Gallon and Mac McCain, and, and, and you, you talk up your guys. And he's a legendary, he's a legendary player for that organization. So there's that part of it as well. You want? Oh, of course, we love Zeke. We love you know. They made their decision with Tony Pollard. Um, if he wants to pay pay on the play on the veteran minimum, and maybe he'll have to, I think somebody will pay him a little bit more than that. Maybe they'd consider it. Um, but you, when you're paying one running back um, ten million dollars, you're not going to pay another one five million dollars. Right. Oh, I think so. it's got to be the Cowboys' price, and and it might be the veteran minimum around the league. You're right. But I'll say this. I think Ezekiel Elliott has a much better chance of being a contributing player in the National Football League this year than Carson Wentz. I I, I agree with that because, you know, I don't think Carson's going to play, you know. Uh, if he goes somewhere, it's going to be strictly as a backup, and then you got to wait for injury. So if nobody gets injured, there's no way he's playing. And if he does play because of injury, he's probably not going to play well. I do think if Ezekiel signs somewhere, he's going to be a, a rotational back. So he's going to get a chance to play. So I would agree with that. Yeah. So if I got $2 million, let's just pick that number, which, oh, by the way, Carson would be playing really on the cheap because I get it. Quarterbacks get paid more than <laughs> running backs. It's night and day. It's the most valued position versus the least valued position. But I, I, I'd be willing to take a flyer on Ezekiel Elliott. I think he's got something left in the tank. Superstardom, no, that's done. That's all Not for the Eagles. Down. Not for the Eagles, you're saying that. Any team. Any really? Team. The Eagles? Ezekiel Elliott? Boy, I'd be shocked. Who do you think will rush for more yards next year, Ezekiel Elliott or Trey Sermon? Uh, here, Ezekiel Elliott. But in the I National think, Football League. Uh, well, I think anywhere, Ezekiel Elliott. But... Right. But for those two, but that's not the plan. The plan is uh, Rashad Penny or a rookie. Um, you know, it, it Penny's an outlier. Obviously, if he plays, he's going to be fine. I mean, he's going to be fine. Yeah. Um, and he's going to be much better than 
anybody they could get in the draft, Ezekiel Elliott, Boston Scott, Kenny Gainwell, Trey Sermon. He's got more talent. He's got more ability, uh, but you can't count on him. Um, so I, I don't take any of that Trey Sermon talk uh, for more than Kerry Vincent, Tay Gallon talk. That's what it was. Okay, you you equated it to those two. I yeah. I see where you're going because yeah, they did talk them up a blue streak last year during the off season, and uh, none of them had anything to do with the Eagles' success making it to the Super Bowl. I John McMullen, Jody McDonald, hanging with you on Bird Street sixty five. Our good buddy, longtime Eagle beat reporter Les Bowen will join us. He's done a bunch of the owners' meetings over the years, and the owner making one of the very few public appearances that he did. I want to get less of thoughts on uh, what Jeff Laurie had to say, Nick Sirianni had to say. Jeff, uh, we'll talk to uh, our buddy Les Bowen next here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian in my heart. I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Heading down the shore. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. My name is uh, Fran Salerno. I'm a managing director here at DelVal Insurance Group. Been in the business for over 36 years, saving people money on their insurance needs. Give us a call. Let us help you custom design an insurance plan that meets both your needs and budget. of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
Appreciate you being part of Birds 365 on this Wednesday morning. All right, Jeff Laurie was a little braggadocious last night, so I'm going to do the same here. Three good football minds to talk Eagles with you for the next 25, 30 minutes. I added to Mac and Mac is Les Bowen, longtime Eagle beat reporter. Les, were you bummed yesterday when you weren't out at the very expensive Biltmore in Arizona for the uh, owners' meetings? I know you went to a lot of them over the years in some uh, pretty established places. Uh, did you ever do the Biltmore for the winter meetings? Oh, yeah. In fact, they, that every other year they have it in Arizona, and it's always at that hotel, which I love. I've only stayed there once. When I first started covering the Eagles – 20 years ago, the league actually would, they had a rate there, you know, if you wanted to stay there for the meetings, they quickly got rid of that. They don't want, (laughs) all those reporters you see there, they're not staying at the Biltmore. They're staying at like a, you know, Marriott property a couple miles away. uh, That's much more reasonable, but uh, I love that place. It has this wonderful courtyard and there's a view of a, there's a mountain sort of framed by the courtyard behind it and, uh, it's, it's an old place. It's really lovely. Uh, everything about it is, uh, is amazing. And, uh, yeah, every, every picture I look at, I, I think I know where that is. You know, they're standing in this corridor over here, you know, but, uh, you know, it's, it's when you're retired, it's, uh, I miss all the cool stuff. Yeah. Uh, and I conveniently forget all the things that just drove me crazy and, and that I hated about uh, my work. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I, I'm like that last for the first. Uh, I hate missing stuff. So I didn't go out to the meetings. Like, I hate missing stuff. But then I'm like, boy, I'm glad I didn't have to travel out there. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind in, of a in fact, thing. one year at the Biltmore, uh, I somehow really messed up my back uh and was like hunched over the whole time i was covering this in pain walking around you know every step was like agony but you kind of forget that part (laughs) yeah so did did you have any pain or agony listening uh to nick sirianni at the breakfast or jeffrey laurie or you know brag about the kelly green which he got rid of in the first place but i digress there was a lot of uh, spin going on yesterday in ver- from various quarters. But, uh, you know, I will say as a reporter, that is the, the best access of the year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. To Sirianni, to Lurie, to Howie. Um, the Howie session doesn't last very long, but there are so fewer people there than when he's talking in Novacare. I mean, it's just so invaluable to be part of that. And they have a, uh, and you know this, John, they have a, a party. I guess it was probably Monday night this year. Uh, everybody's invited and all the coaches and GMs and yeah. owners go to this party along with the media, which is the only time ever in a year that you can just sort of saunter up to Jeff Lurie and, you know, say, Jeff, how's it hanging? You know, and uh, uh, you, you just don't get uh, that kind of, We lost less. The uh, less unfreezes. Yeah, he's right, though. It is the best uh, um, uh, availability of the year, of the entire year in the NFL. Less is 100% correct. Uh, the petting zoo as well. <laughs> yeah, they ever had yeah. that. That's something yeah. new. Yeah. Um, 
uh, our buddy Jimmy Kemsky with the sausage sandwich. You can get that. Uh, the breakfast mm-hmm. with the good. Now it used to be an hour back in the old days. Less now they cut it down to like a half hour. Uh, so they they're limiting uh, right. things as they usually do. But it is it is tremendous uh, to be able to to sort of have some of that uh, behind the curtain access. Yes. Um, when it comes to uh, Jeffrey Lurie, I, I guess I'll start with him. Uh, beyond the nonsense, the Kelly Green stuff and all that, uh, I, I think it was interesting. Not that we didn't know this, but Jeffrey basically said, look, offense rules in the modern NFL. He kind of closed this press conference and he talked about a minute 43. If we're getting the football back down a, a, a field goal, we're, we're built for this. Essentially yeah. saying we're going to win the game. I agree with him. Yeah, I agree with him. By the way, um, and then Steve Spagnolo's getting all the you know what out in Kansas City because his defense falters at the end. Um, it, are we at the point where you now it's just build the offense and and maybe uh, cobble things together on the defense, or is that going too far? I think that's a little too far, John. I think you have to get there to the Super Bowl, you know, and I do think you have to be able to stop to get a stop, you know, and that's really why the Eagles lost. I mean, they couldn't get a stop in the second half. Yep. Um, You don't have to play, you know, they won the Super Bowl giving up 503 or 505 yards. (laughs) That's amazing. That's still Uh, amazing. They pretty much proved it that year, you know, I, I, but every year, you know, the matchups aren't always exactly the same. And like I said, you have to get there. And I really think you have to be able to play. You have to be able to get your offense on the field, if that makes any sense. Uh, you know, and, and you do have to be presentable, I think, as a defense. You don't have to lead the league in defense. Uh, you don't have to shut down everything. But I think you have to have playmakers. You know, if the Eagles could have gotten a turnover in that game, they would have won. Uh, That kind of stuff still matters. But Lurie's right. It's basically about the offense when you talk about being a contending team. All right. Since we're dealing with the offense, I'll go here. John gave me a hard time earlier because I read too much between the lines on Trey Sermon. I thought the coach went over Uh the top talking how great a (laughs) practice player uh, Trey Sermon was. If you're right and I'm wrong, that's fine. Should I worry about Nick Sirianni singing the praises of Quez Watkins? That he does all these things that don't show up in the box score and you guys don't necessarily get it. Here's what I thought of Quez Watkins last year. He went backwards. He wasn't as good a player as he had been previously. Still a young player, an ascending player, whose uh, career direction took a wrong turn. But the coach yesterday was telling us we don't understand what Quez Watkins does that doesn't yeah. show up in the box for. I think it's kind of an understated, underrated need of the Eagles. They need an upgrade at wide receiver three because you're only one turned, bad turned, high ankle sprain from Devontae Smith or A.J. Brown to having that guy on the field 85 to 90 percent of the time. Am I uh, going down a wrong road again here to think that the Eagles are going to try and get better than Quez Watkins at their third wide receiver spot? Oh, no. But the key word there is try. Right now, from Nick Sirianni's perspective, Jody, Quez Watkins is the third receiver. And until he isn't, 
you know, you try to salvage and you try to, you know, make up for whatever is going on there. You know, if he's, if he still thinks Quez Watkins has potential that he, maybe he did take a wrong turn last year, but <clears throat> he's still here and maybe you can get him back in the mode that he needs to be into for this year. Or maybe you're going to end up relying on him one way or another. Maybe you get somebody else and they get hurt. You know, he's still Sirianni's guy. So Sirianni's going to plead his case. And the same thing went for Trey Sermon. You know, if Trey Sermon really was that remarkable in practice last year, then they really screwed up by never getting him into a game. (laughs) Yeah, I wish. Especially, you know, I was I was reading all that and thinking about the problems they had on special teams and how they didn't really shake up. They were so reluctant to shake up yeah. the bottom of the roster. They finally brought that linebacker in Ellis. Christian Ellis, yeah. yeah. You know, and he really had an impact, but it took them more than half the year to figure that out, you know, and if Trey Sermon was really killing people in practice and doing this and doing that, I mean, they were a good team. They were a great team, but you could have gotten him a week. You know, there were weeks when uh, there was a running back who was banged up or something. You know, yeah. you could have gotten him well, in a game. Last, uh, you know, the funniest part of me, and I'm paraphrasing what Nick said, something like, I wish we could have gotten him more touches. Well, I know somebody who could have gotten him more touches. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he didn't get him more touches. I, I kept thinking about last year and Tay Gallon and Kerry Vincent and Mac McCain. Remember how the Eagles were talking up those guys? Oh, oh we God, love our yes. young corners. We love yeah. our young. And even if you got then James Bradbury got here, you never heard their names again. Yeah. Uh, even the year before it was Zach McPherson as a rookie. Oh, we're comfortable with Zach yeah. McPherson. Zach. And then Steve Nelson shows up two days before camp and the first rep, he's the starting corner. Um, yeah. yeah. I take everything with a grain of salt this time. I guess, I guess you want to send that message to the player that he can't lose hope, and also to the rest of the league. You know, if other teams are looking at the Eagles and saying, you know, I have such and such running back. I wonder if the Eagles would give me like a fifth-round pick for so-and-so. You know, you want to present to the rest of the league that you're very confident in what you have and, you know, you're not needy. Uh, in any way, maybe you're trying to convince them that if Bijan Robinson is there at 30 with your second pick of the first round that you would. Yeah, you're not going to go there. You know, uh, I don't know. I mean, there's all kinds of things, you know, that are out there that you could be trying to affect. But I don't take those words at face value. I mean, running back is a weird position in the NFL. It's guys do come off practice squads and become starters and you know, yeah. do this and do that. But I, it, Trey Sermon may end up playing a role here, but if he was really that great last year and they never got him in a game, then shame on them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Les, we haven't had you on since free agency started uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we're now two weeks plus uh, since the legal tampering phase of the offseason in the National Football League. All things in, all moves considered, what's been Howie Roseman's best move? Taking uh, it within the context of salary cap and need and everything else, what do you think the best thing that Howie Roseman has done since the first day of free agency? I'm going to cheat a little bit. I'm going to say bringing both the corners back and having That's them fine. happy 
Uh, you know, keeping in mind mm -hmm. that until right before free agency, we had no idea there was really a problem with Darius Slay. We didn't even factor him into the, you know, when the season ended, we weren't factoring any drama with Darius Slay. Well, I knew they had to get the cap number down. I, yeah, but I but didn't we just think it would be a problem. Happen, yeah, you know? we I didn't, didn't really. Problem. Yeah. Nobody was saying when the season ended, Darius Slay is going to end up getting released yeah, yeah, or something like yeah. that. Yeah, and the cap, uh, we lost less again, so hopefully we uh, we get him back. But the cap number was up, but I didn't think it was going to be a problem. Less is right. Uh, yeah, did you, know. you think it was going to go to the no. list of they might have no. to threaten to cut him? Slay, Slay loves it here, and that's, you know, his wife loves it here, and that's one of the reasons he's back, by the way, because um, he does love it here. And, you know, it was really meaningful for him to be voted team captain, legitimately emotional. Uh, about being there so i think um a lot of that was yeah we all kind of put it in the rear well slay's going to be here um and they'll figure it out when it came to lowering the cap hit so so less is a hundred percent right on that um cj though I, I think we all thought conversely if they're going to get two i i thought they were going to get you know they were going to get one of the defensive backs back Slade mm -hmm. was going to be here and then CJ was going to be here and Bradbury was going to leave. Is yeah. it just as simple as CJ sitting on his hands? Then they work something out with Bradbury and then the money's up. Or do you think it was more big personality? We talked about CJ's, you know, Marcus Hayes uh, had his report yeah. about Denard Wilson, keeping him on the same page. You know, I was talking about it. it's, it's, it's logical if you have an employee who's, you know, a pain in the you-know-what versus one who's not, right. you probably want the one who's not. Um, what's your take on the C.J. Gardner situation? Well, I think I'll take what they said at face value to a point. I think they probably did target him going into free agency, think they could do a deal. He didn't want their deal. And I think they did move on. I'm not sure Bradbury, I think Bradbury and Slay, they gave a lot of extra money to Slay, you know, uh, to get that cap number down. Uh, I think by the time they got done with Bradbury and Slay, they didn't have much. And Now, could they have made a harder push to match the Lions offer? I, I kind of think they could have if, if they really, really, really felt this was just essential to their team to do this. But they went out and got Terrell Edmonds very quickly, which kind of led me to believe that they had, you know, they, they didn't just get caught flat-footed with not being able to re-sign CJ. Yeah, Les, do you think things changed at all with the, you know, him thrown to tweeting and deleting, him throwing Gannon under the bus, him sort of intimating some things about Jalen Hurts, who's obviously a big part of this organization. Absolutely. You know, I, I don't think that keeps you from signing him necessarily, but it certainly affects your uh, enthusiasm level. And it makes you leery of what could happen with this guy if things go wrong or if, you know, you just – you kind of – it tempers your enthusiasm for his play, I think. All right, Les, uh, John and I were kicking this around earlier. Want your take on it. This past year in 15 games, because he missed two, Jalen Hurts carried the football 165 times. 
which is a dead flat average of 11 carries per game. And we know what the carries were, some RPOs, some quarterback sneaks, some he decides to take off and run after uh, uh, holding on to the football for three and a half seconds, going, I got to get the hell out of here and uh, take it off and making plays with his legs. They were a combination of all those things. But the end number is 11 carries per game. You think he carries it more, the same, or less next year? I would hope it's a little less. I've kind of given up on the idea that he'll have like a handful of carries because seeing how he played last season, I I kind of concede now that that's not optimal. I mean, he's so good with his feet that I don't think you want to take that away from him. Certainly the sneaks, you keep the sneaks. He's not going to get hurt on a sneak. I don't think. Uh, And you, Peter King thinks it's coming At, at some point this year. A missile linebacker is coming over the top and is going to take out a uh, high-profile yeah. quarterback. He might, but it's not going to be Jalen. Yeah, I don't, I don't see that. I, I really don't. Um, the way they run it, he stays close to the ground. Uh, I, I just can't imagine that happening. I guess it could happen, but again, I, I don't think so. I, but there, there. here's what does concern me a little bit. There were times... This offense always ought to be functional with the receivers they have, the running backs they have, the offensive line they have, the tight end they have. They should be able to to run their offense effectively against anybody. There were times last year, not always against good teams, you know, the the game he got hurt in in Chicago, they couldn't do anything. They were they were struggling mightily. It was cold though. It was cold. I know, but what they do. What they do, and I've said this before, if you remember that episode of The Simpsons where the kids play football and it ends up Nelson is the only kid that can really get anything done. And he kind of looks at Millhouse and he looks at Bart and he tucks the ball under his arm and just runs downfield and all the other kids bounce off of him and he scores a touchdown. That's the Eagles offense when they get in trouble, you know, <laughs> and I don't like that. I, I think that's, you know, there's no way they should have to resort to Jalen Hurts running around, you know, to, to move their offense. I mean, it's a great weapon to have, but that you don't just throw up your hands and, and have Jalen get it done when, when it's cold or, you know, when somebody has a good plan against you, you figure it out. And I, I want to see that happen. I don't want to see him average 11 carries a game. I think maybe eight would be a nice number, you know, depending on the number of sneaks and, and things like that. But I, I don't want to see it go away, but I do think, you know, there's danger there. And we saw it vividly, uh, you know, that that injury could have been a lot worse. Yeah. What if he couldn't have played the playoffs? How would things have gone then? You yeah, know, that, 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 yeah, they downplayed that thing from minute one. You know, Jalen, yeah. to his credit, he was at the postgame presser and he downplayed it. But that was a pretty significant injury. You're right, Les. That could have, uh, that could have went. In a, in a really negative direction. I just love we got a Nelson Muntz reference from uh, Les Bowen on Birth 365. Uber like secondary category, uh, characters. Yeah. He's just ripping off Simpson stars. Love it. Love that it. was impressive, Les. I got to give it to yeah. you, too. Well, love thanks. it. Now, I want to go back to the Trey Sermon because I think it's ironic and Quez Watkins as well for this reason, Les. There are young players they are, are counting on, really counting on. Mm-hmm. Cam Jurgens being one of them. 
uh, Nicobe Dean, Jordan Davis, even Marie Blankenship, uh, Milton Williams, if you want to go back a couple of years. These are guys that are counting on that, that need to step up in, in, the, in the roles. And I thought it was interesting. Nick kind of went the opposite route with Cam Jurgens. Like he's talking up Trey Sermon and Quez Watkins, but it's like Cam Jurgens, well, you know, we'll see. We have Jack Driscoll as well. And yeah. um, it, it, you don't want to hand people anything. You don't want to decree them anything. You know, Cam, I think, played 35 snaps. Uh, so you want them to go earn it. But they need these guys. Is that yeah. sort of the, the, the mentality behind that? Yeah, that's a big uh, – that's a very important point, John. They do need these guys. As they move forward with this Hurts contract, you know, they don't have an alternative here. They can't go out and sign a bunch of guys to play these. They have to have – these guys they've drafted do have to move into these positions. And right now that's being taken as a given. And my position on that is, yeah, they have to do it, but it isn't a given. I mean, we didn't see enough of any of these guys, even Jordan Davis – to really be sure that things are just going to flow right on the way they were last year, you know, and everything's going to be great with Jurgens, I, I have the most confidence probably of any of those guys in him, just because of what the coaches say about him and the other players say about him. You're right. He played very few snaps. I do know when he was drafted, you know, the, the plan right now is for him to play right guard, obviously with Suamalu gone. When Jurgens was drafted, I will say this, uh, you know, it was as a center. And I asked somebody on that offensive line about the possibility of Jurgens playing guard if they needed him to play right guard because Sumala was coming off an injury and yeah, blah, blah, yeah, blah. You yeah. know, he was moving from left to right. This person said, well, we'd be awful light over there on the right side with him and Lane. You know, that's that wouldn't be anywhere near what the left side is in terms of weight and, you know, that's true. power. And uh, I don't think Cam Jurgens has changed a whole lot in a year. You know, I think he's still a, a very small right guard, a much smaller man than Isaac Suamalo. So we'll see. Maybe there's a little bit of, you know, yeah, he's going to get first crack, but we'll see how this goes. You know, I, I mean, we're really – Cam Jurgens is going to be Jason Kelsey's successor. Yeah. And I can't imagine – I never thought Kelsey was going to retire this year off of one of the best seasons of his career and the team going to the Super Bowl and not winning. It didn't make any sense to me at all that he would retire. But I do think this is it. I think, you know, I think this will be his last year. Yeah, final. we keep it. You know, you, you're, you, you're saying Cam is the heir apparent. He is. But remember, Isaac was the heir apparent. And, and then, then Nate Herbig was the heir apparent. They had a Nate bunch Herbig, of parents. Landon, yeah. Landon Dickerson was the heir yeah. apparent. Uh, and now Cam Jurgens is. So who knows? He might move the right guard and he plays so well. You remember going way back last, the original plan with Les Lane Johnson was, all right, left he's going to play right tackle and then slide the left tackle when Jason Peters yes. retired. Jason never retired. And all of a sudden one day Stout showed up and said, you know what? I'm not moving. I'll be so good at right tackle. Um, you never know. We're on like yeah. era parent number eight for Jason Kelsey. Right. It's unbelievable. All right, let me let me get this in for both you guys because it's in your wheelhouse as Eagle Beat guys. Shoot, Johnny's even and and you might have been last. I don't know if they included you in the competition. The correctly projecting the Eagle fifty three man roster 
before the oh, season Les starts. Was a former champion. Les You're was a former, former champ, champ, Les? Yeah. Yeah, I won yeah. that about three or four years ago, I think. Way yeah. to yeah. go, big guy. Didn't know that. Congratulations to you. Um, uh, it, it, it's going to get tougher next year because one of the very few rule changes they made, the Eagles got them to add number zero because according to the owner, they're running out of numbers and they just <laughs> needed another number. I don't know what I was buying, the, what Jeffrey was selling yesterday. But one of the rule changes is one cut down. Yeah. You're going to be able to keep all your players, all 90, right up until right before the first game of the season. Now, there's they built in an extra week in the new schedule. It isn't the mm-hmm. quick turnaround, last preseason, first game. There's that uh, buffer week, Labor Day week. So that gives you a little extra scramble time. But it's scrambling is what it's going to be. Because if you have the layered cutdowns leading up to, you give a guy a chance to go out and find another job. You can say you do the right thing, kind of sell your organization a little bit. Oh, we cut them out of time, so you go get a job. No, everybody's going to be cut on the same day. Yeah. All the cutdowns are coming at once. Good thing, bad thing. Why do you think they implemented it this offseason? Well, I've all, you know, they've done a lot of. Uh, finagling with that over the years they they went to keeping more guys later because that last preseason game was it you want to have a bunch of guys that you don't care about frankly crash test dummies is yeah what they to are. play in that last preseason game yeah. against the jets usually um I, it's interesting I, I i do think you gain you know, sometimes you pick up a guy from those early cuts, you know, um, but if they have extra time to sort out who got cut between the last cut and the regular season, then they can do all that work. I guess you'll probably see some, some shuffling, you know, going on oh, yeah. between, especially with the, 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 the bad teams. I mean, they'll, right. they'll pick across that and you'll see the bears did it last year. They picked up like eight guys on waivers. Uh, yeah. which is which is rare, but I, I for people that want to see starters in preseason football, that's done. Yeah. I mean, you're gonna have 90 guys, you know, you don't you don't have to. Um, so there's some give and take to it. Um, but certainly it's not your, I mean, it's gonna make preseason football even less meaningful than it was, I think, from that standpoint, right? I do what Jody brings up the rules. I, I thought it was, I. Jeffrey gave a shout out to John Ferrari, who's sort of the compliance guy, the rules guy, mm-hmm. who was promoted to assistant GM. I, I want to take it from, you know, how he never gave that title out. Didn't give it out to Joe Douglas, Andy Weidel. Didn't give it out to a personnel guy. He gives it out to John and oh. Alec Hallaby, who's an analytics guy. Do you think that's purposeful? I, I kind of read it. I, I like Howie doesn't want for good or for bad. And by the way, I think Howie does a tremendous job. I think he's a great GM. But, you know, back in the Joe Douglas days, I brought it up to Jody. You know, people would say Joe was responsible for this and he would get some credit. For good or bad, Howie wants the credit. Do you see it that way? I hadn't thought about that too much. Uh you're, you're saying that bringing Ferrari, that giving Ferrari the assistant title is a is sort of a 
something he doesn't new. want he doesn't want to give the assistant GM title to a personnel guy. Ah, like he okay. gave yeah. it he yeah, gave yeah. it to a compliance guy. Yeah, you'd have an error an analytics guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you had that, it's it's very interesting. Uh, you know, I don't really know what Howie's thinking is there. I know my thinking is that Alec Hallaby is Julian Lurie's guy, and that someday. <laughs> Maybe 10, 15 years from now, maybe five years from now, it'll be an interesting dynamic when Julian Lurie is running the Eagles. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, he, how he understands power politics, how he was Joe Banner's protege. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. one day Joe Banner wasn't there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, uh, that is correct. How he's got a lot of pelts on the wall. I describe it. If oh, you yeah. think about it over the years uh, in the personnel department. When Jason uh, Light worked for the Eagles, and we're going back more than a decade now, um, I know the. I guess it doesn't matter now if I can tell the story of how he ended up leaving the Eagles. Uh, Jason and Howie were tight. They were very. They were kind of at the same level of the organization under Banner and Reed. And uh, like confided in someone else in the organization that, you know, how he people say he's not a football guy and that bothers him a lot. But he's he's really not as great a football guy as he thinks he is. And that got back to Howie and uh, how he maneuvered Jason Light right out of there. <laughs> uh, you know, so it's. Yeah, how he knows how to play the palace intrigue game, certainly. Yes, he does. Uh, uh, Lewis Riddick. There's so many names. Uh, yeah. So many big names that have gone. But, you know, to the Eagles' credit uh, and Jeffrey Lurie's credit, you know, when you see that annual coaches photo, and I think 13 of them used to work for Philadelphia, you see all the uh, uh, organizational assistant GMs. Um, they have built a very, very strong organization I loved your tweet, though, about uh, Thursday night football. Um, there's greed. And there's, are you killing me about uh, are you kidding me about potentially flexing Thursday night football games? There's but no gotta, way that could work. There's no way the teams. the players I got to tell you, Les, that's where we disagree. It's coming. Oh, it's I don't coming. know when. I don't know if it's May. I don't know if it's next year. But they're doing it. Because Amazon wants them to do it. Yeah. I mean, it's complete greed, but it's going to happen. They've already changed that you can play two games now. That's to get yeah. the Cowboys on the docket, the Eagles. The well, Chiefs. the other thing they did is you don't have to have a Thursday game, yeah. which I read as we want to have fewer terrible teams exactly. on Thursday night. Right. Yeah. If, yeah. You, if you're the worst team in the league, then we don't really need you to yeah, play you're on not Thursday showing night. up on Thursday. You'll be playing Sunday at one every single yeah. week. Guaranteed. All right. Last thing for me, Les, we got to wrap this bad boy up. Um, this upcoming season, will Les Bowen be going to the bottom of his drawer to pull out the Kelly green 17 Jersey of Harold Carmichael or will he be going to philadelphiaeagles.com and ordering the Kelly Green 17 jersey of N'Kobe Dean? If you're going to be paying homage to the Kelly, as Jeff Laurie believes that all Eagle fans on the planet want, 
Are you lining his pockets with a new jersey? Or do you got a good one that you've been holding out on that you're ready to break back out again? <laughs> I don't really buy those things no, as, okay. a, Come on, as a writer, Jody. But I'll tell you this. I think they're going to screw this up. They had the 2010 opener. They used the Kelly Green. It was a an elegant sort of homage to like the Chuck Bednarik, Jody. I mean, Jody. <laughs> The I'm other old, Tommy McDonald, Chuck, uh, yeah, Tommy yeah, McDonald, yeah, McDonald. yeah. Uh, that era of the Eagles, which that's vintage, that's throwback. What people are talking about now is a throwback to the nineties. Yeah. Well, I know I'm old, but a throwback to the nineties—that's yeah. not a throwback. Oh, yeah, like that's, that's thirty years ago now. now. Last year it is, but that's not a vintage. Yeah. The 60s That's look. Vintage, you're right. The Frankfurt uh, Yellow Jackets. Now, that's Ooh, vintage. That's the ugliest thing Yeah, the thing problem ever. with that is nobody even remembered that those no. were their colors. And somebody was... uh, somebody tweeted that at A.J. Brown. He's like, nah, no, no thanks. No. He doesn't want to wear that. Uh, nobody thinks that's a good idea. But the, the, the 50s, 60s era, I think, would be the way to go with that. I think they're going to end up with, like, the Reggie White looking uh yeah, the, the reggie randall jersey. jersey was cool that's when i got to town mm -hmm. it all comes down to when that's you first thing, yeah. bought in and i moved here in 1990 so yeah that's that's kind of my the only, era. The only team paraphernalia i have less for any team is what was given to be free at times yeah and it stays in a drawer or a box it never comes out by the way. I have a lot of coasters. They kept giving us coasters there. For yeah, a Kelly of years. Green coasters. Gotta I do love use that. the I do use the coasters. Actually, well, actually, this one's black. Yeah, but, yeah I got that one. Yeah, right. I'm I'm going over to Les's house for a cocktail one of these days. So yes, I, there you go. Yeah, look at that. There it is. Everybody's. How did I not get the coaster? I'm not on the beat, so I don't merit a coaster. I like the coasters. That was they're very the, good uh, coasters. Well, yeah. we like Les Bowen, and we like having him on the show. We're going to do so again within the next couple of weeks. Les, take a couple of weeks off. No Eagle stuff to talk about after the week. Got a little downtime here. You get yes. to hear from Jeff Floyd. You got to hear from Barry. You got to hear from Howie. Howie will make a couple of under-the-radar free agent signings. We got a couple of weeks to uh, relax a little bit. You do the same. We will be calling for your services again soon enough, my friend. Look forward to it. Thank you. Thank nice you, here with us on Birds like Dueling coasters. How about that? That's pretty yeah. cool. The fact that you both had the same coaster handy during the show. All right, quick timeout. Got to come back. Got to put a bow in the show. We're almost out of time. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian in my heart. I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Heading down the shore. 
Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. My name is uh, Fran Salerno. I'm a managing director here at DelVale Insurance Group. Been in the business for over 36 years, saving people money on their insurance needs. Give us a call. Let us help you custom design an insurance plan that meets both your needs and budget. of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Started about a minute late today. So we're going to run a minute over. We're giving you your full two hours here on Birds 365, uh, and we're running over because both uh, Les Bowen and, and Mike Gill, our guests, were very good with us today. We thank them both. Uh, we only got enough time for one thing here, John McMullen. Here's what I choose it to be: a McMullen prediction. What Philadelphia Eagle in 2023 will wear number zero? Um. I think it'll be one of the rookies. So, um, but if not, if I had to choose a. Well, you can choose a rookie. You just got to name them. Who are they going to oh. take in the fourth round? Nothing well, like Well, then I'd take Christian Gonzalez, but because uh, they might take a cornerback at number 10. That, But that's too obvious. Um, you go obvious I'm going to pick somebody on the team. I'm going to pick. Uh, I'm going to pick Kenny Gainwell. Uh, Kenny Gainwell to go zero. Yeah. It's not going to happen, but then if I got to pick somebody, I mean, Christian Gonzalez is the obvious one. I'm going to give it to Barzi. That's what I want to show. Mark Barzetta. I want to mention for you, uh, Mark. Maybe getting the Kelly Green zero to wear on the Barzi yeah. show. He 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 should get the Kelly Green uh, zero, but the Barzi show, which you see across YouTube, is also going to air on the Jacob uh, Sports YouTube page. So, uh, that'll start at seven, and then you can watch Birds 365 at eight, and that starts tomorrow, by the way, Joe. And so oh, by the way, I got a text last night while I'm on the air on WIP from one Mark Farzetta said, Hey, you want to tape a Farzy spot with me? You want to? There we go. I was on the air going, Yeah, I'll do it. You, you do that style. Come on our show. Of course, I'll come on your show. Just don't bother me now while I'm doing a show. Yeah. So, uh, it's, tough. Will... it's tough to do both at the same time. I, I you can do a simulcast, sure. maybe do it. Go back I will and be forth. showing up on the Farsi show within the next couple of days. Um, all right, so you're going. And when I was a kid, I always wanted to wear number one. 
when I was I always wanted to wear number six. Do you know why? Why six? Jody McDonald. No, tell me. Julia Serving. That was my guy. Oh, that's right. See, my Julia Serving was thirty-two. Yeah, I go back pre-Sixers to when he was with the Nets. I was and wearing thirty-two. I was. Uh, No, I thought one looked cool. I thought zero looked stupid, but that's just me. But somebody's gonna wear zero. They better wear zero after Jeff Laurie went. We need the number. That's why we got zero uh, cleared for everybody to wear because we're running out of numbers. Somebody better wear it on the Eagles next year. We shall see. All right, brother. I say we do this again tomorrow. You in? Let's do it. 22 hours from now, we will be back here on Birds 365. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like comment and subscribe and we'll be back soon but in the meantime hook up with us on social media at jacob sports see you next time on birds 365